0: Hello everyone, good morning on this Wednesday morning because we now know that it is Wednesday Bible study, isn't it? I have to get used to saying that because I call it Monday Bible study all week long and I go, oh yeah, it's Wednesday. And then Wednesday comes around and I think, wow, is it already Wednesday? Wow, it just seems to come around quicker than Mondays do. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you're well. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And um, yeah, I'm just going to give you a second or two to to uh come on and join live with us but hey please remember that you can watch us i'm now on podcast i'm also on the uh website um i think it's on youtube not 100 sure about that i'll get back to you with that but uh yeah so you can watch me on catch up basically what i'm saying okay all right well why don't we get to it then oops Sorry. there we go i hope i didn't just uh Am I still central? There, I just kicked my camera. Sorry. Um, Anyway, we are in the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew 5. We've been in Matthew 5 for weeks and weeks and weeks because we've been studying the most beautiful sermon, one of the most beautiful sermons of Jesus, which begins, the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with the Beatitudes. And we've been looking at all the Beatitudes. Now, my reasoning in this is why we're taking so long in this and really delving into it quite deeply is because we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the... He's God with us. That's what the Bible calls him, Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus is speaking, he is speaking what God was saying. He was... He was telling us uh, it was a sermon from God um, in the flesh (laughs) uh, to his believers. And the Beatitudes, we've discussed this in all the weeks past, so please go back and look at those because it it kind of all builds. And that's what's happening in the Beatitudes. Jesus is saying, He's not telling us how we become saved, but what He's saying, what He's telling us in the Beatitudes, is what the character of Of a person who is one of his followers, what that will look like and how that progresses. And that's what we've noticed in the Beatitudes the progression of, um, from right from the very first one. The very first one is blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll just say this one the poor in spirit, we said was, um, Just realizing that we can't save ourselves. We bring nothing to the table to save ourselves. We need God. And we are blessed. And the word blessed in all of these uh, means uh, happy. Um, And we also said that in the Hebrew, the idea of being blessed means to be enlarged. And so um, our thinking is enlarged when we take on the thinking of God here. And when we say this is what God said is a blessed life. You know, to realize, to have this realization that I cannot do this on my own. And we noticed that about all the Beatitudes, and you're going to see that again today, is we cannot even live the Christian life. We fall so short of being able to live out fully. We keep messing up, and that's going to happen because we're human, and we mess up sometimes. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us and to empower us to live the Christian life. And we are growing in this journey all the time of of our relationship with God and who we are in God. And he's refining our character. And he's helping us to understand each of these Beatitudes along our journey. Anyway, the, the Beatitudes lead, and they seem to get harder and harder and harder as they go, right? Last week, was blessed are the peacemakers. Now, believe me, this is no mistake on the part of Jesus that now today, so first, last week was um, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Okay, so what, what we were saying there is uh, the scripture is saying that we, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's down to us, let us live at peace with everyone, you know, as much as we, we can be to be at peace with everyone. But the peacemaker that we are called to be is to bring the good news that we can, we are at peace with God because of Jesus. If we receive him into our lives, if we receive that free gift that he gave us of salvation, then peace is made with God, that connection again with God. And that's the peacemaker we are to be, which leads beautifully into today. Today, we are going to be talking about... Mm, persecution. Yes. So you live this beautiful, godly life, and it ends, and and we talked about all the things that happen in our character with the Beatitudes. Jesus talks about all the beautiful things that will be beginning to happen in the life of, in the character of one of his followers. And the ultimate thing for living this beautiful, godly life that is going to happen is we are going to be persecuted for it. Okay, now hang on there. Don't turn it off. Don't don't walk away and say, who needs that? Oh, persecution. Let's look at it. Because Jesus talked quite a bit about persecution. And persecution is talked about quite a bit in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Um, and it is part of being a Christian. And it is important that we discuss it and look at it. And think about it, okay? So here we go. I'm going to read today's scripture, which is Matthew 5, verses 10 through 16. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay. Uh, Oh, we're not done yet. I, I was only up to verse 12. Okay, this next section is called Believers are Salt and Light. Jesus goes from talking about how blessed we are when we're persecuted, and then he goes straight into this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Okay, now <clears throat> I'm here in England. Um, I know many people are, are watching are from England or you're from America. Um, but you might be watching from a country where you really, really do firsthand understand what persecution is. Now in the West, in England and America, I'm not going to say we don't completely understand persecution, but, but we may not understand it in the same way um, as personally as some countries who are are persecuted quite heavy Um, and there are atrocities committed against Christians in certain places in certain countries of the world uh, where Christians are jailed, uh, injured, they suffer terrible consequences for their faith in Christ. Um, Governments come after not just the the pastors of families in certain countries but after their families, their wives, their children. Um, However, Persecution, according to Jesus, does not, um, uh, although definitely it's about all this hor- horrific torment uh, that we hear against Christians, but according to Jesus, okay, it also includes, now we look at Matthew 5, 11 for this, that it says, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecute, and they persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. So it also deals with even just uh, having people speaking lies about you, reviling you, speaking terribly about you, spreading rumors, false things about you, for Jesus' sake, because you are a Christian. So um, persecution, okay, like I said, it can be from the most horrific, horrible things where it actually does lead to death, or it could be Uh, Lesser, uh, for example, people speaking evil about you, lying about you just because you're a Christian. When it is persecution that leads to death, persecution uh, because of the cause of Christ that leads to death, that is the kind of persecution that we call martyrdom. And that's the suffering of death because of one's faith in Christ. All of it, the whole gamut, from just someone talking bad about you lies to dying for the sake of Christ, all fits under the definition of persecution. Okay, so in the eyes of God, it doesn't have to be uh, to, unto death, but it also includes unto death, most definitely does. Okay, and sadly, persecution in all of its forms is, is alive and well on the earth today. And I say that with, with sadness of heart. Now, there um, are statistics taken. There are ministries that uh, look into this. Um, Here's a quote from Lifeway Research. It's uh, from an article by a man called Aaron Earls, and it's entitled, One in Seven Global Christians Faced Persecution in 2021. So these are Christians all around the world. In 2021, the statistic was one in seven faced persecution. Persecution, and I think he was speaking of quite heavy persecution, not just speaking badly about, but um. You would have to read the article to go further on. But there's another ministry called Open Doors. um, And it's a ministry uh, that uh, seeks to highlight the plight of persecuted Christians around the world and also to help them by encouraging us to pray for them, by highlighting the situation that's happening so that we, as Christians, and, and also to the world, anyone who's willing to look at these statistics, to see that Christians today, all around the world, are dying Because they are Christians for their faith. Okay, so according to this ministry, Open Doors, the World Watch list of 2022, okay, so that's this year already, more Christians were detained or killed for their faith and more churches were attacked or closed than in 2020. Uh, than the year before, than the year before. So I think what happened was they took all the culmination of the statistics and this was all gathered together in 2021. So what we see there is that um, persecution of Christians is not declining in the world. It is rising in the world. Things are getting worse. In the past year... Uh, So in this year, that's just gone, uh, 2021, 360 million Christians around the world. And uh, this is an estimate because you can't get all the proper numbers. That would be impossible because things happen that that are not reported. Uh, one, uh, One in seven believers around the world suffered significant persecution for their faith. Every day in 2021, an average of more than 16 believers were killed for Jesus. 16 a day in 2021. Every single day. With close to 6,000 total martyrs, 2021 saw a 24% increase in Christians killed for their faith. Wow, that is amazing. So, an average of more than 16 believers were killed for following Jesus daily according to Open Doors. Oh, wow. That's just... The statistic is... I, I want to look more into that, but the statistics are quite staggering that it's really happening in the world today. All right, so let's look at this. What is persecution according to the Bible? Okay, persecution, a definition of persecution according to the Bible is this. It's the act of harassing, oppressing, and killing people because of their difference in beliefs from society. Christians are persecuted because their belief in Jesus Christ as Savior doesn't conform to the godlessness of a sinful world. So, um, it's a difference from what a Christian, uh, from the beliefs of Christians to the beliefs of society. Okay, that's what you need to know. It's when they come against each other, okay, and it, they are harassed, oppressed, even killed. Um, but it also will help you to know what, what is not considered persecution, according to Scripture, okay? Okay, it helps us to understand what something is when we also understand what it is not. Okay, now listen, the Scripture says this, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, okay? Okay? That's what it says in the scripture for righteousness sake, not because a person is argumentative um, or annoying um, or because they take uh, time out from work that they should be working and they're stealing time from their boss to be talking about um uh, you know, to be witnessing and, and chit-chatting in the day about the Bible when they're they're actually stealing time from their boss. And their bosses and their, their people who are over them get very upset, and so they may get fired or, or penalized in some way because they are stealing time. It's not because of that. That's not persecution, okay? Persecution is for righteousness' sake, okay? Um, also, it says uh, in Matthew 5, 11, it says, that um, if you've actually committed crimes, uh, actual crimes, and, and against the law, and then the law comes after you, that that's not, a, and you're a Christian, that's not persecution. If you're an actual criminal who's do, done things wrong, um, if they're accusing you of things that you have actually done, then you're not being persecuted. You've actually done them. You're actually a criminal, you know, whether you've stolen things or hurt people. Um, the, the scripture says it has to be false accusations, and it must be because of righteousness' sake. Okay, um, it's because someone out there uh, don't does not like the fact that you represent the kingdom of God in the way you live, in the way you act, in the way you speak, and that is what righteousness for righteousness' sake means because of your your stand for God. Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, Okay, 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16, backs this up. It says this, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. It says that. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name okay it's not remember it's not because you are doing criminal acts or even the scripture says it's being a meddler you know being involved in things where you shouldn't be but it is actually because you're living a godly life and it says that if you get persecuted for this you shouldn't be ashamed you shouldn't be ashamed but actually it says you should praise god because we get that privilege of bearing the name what name the name of christ okay Okay, so we now pretty much know what persecution is and I've given you this basic definition and we see that it is rife in the world, that it's happening even today. Um, And we know what it is not, all right, based on that. Why are Christians persecuted? Why? Okay, the scripture gives a very, very clear answer to that, okay? It's clear. John chapter 3 verses 19 through 20 and this is what it says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Okay, let's look at the very first. We're going to discuss that scripture, but let's first look at the very first act of persecution in the scripture. And you know where it occurs? the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning. You remember, two guys called Cain and Abel, they were the sons of Adam and Eve. Now there's this account of them where they're giving offerings to God. And it says that Abel, who was a shepherd, gives the best of his flocks. And it mentions that he took the best. He wanted to give God. He wanted to honor God with the best. So we see right there that Abel's heart has righteousness, that there's, um, he had a heart for God. He wanted to do the godly thing. Okay, now it mentions also that Cain also made an offering, um, and he was a farmer. Now, I don't think there was anything wrong with the offering. Some people say it's because God preferred Cain's because it was blood, and and he needed blood sacrifices, and Cain's were vegetables because he was a farmer. And I think it has less to do with that and more to do with the fact that Abel, and it goes out of the way to say this, gave of his best. And Cain, it says, just chose some vegetables. It wasn't really anything special. He didn't use, find the best heads of corn and the most healthy looking cabbages. He just took vegetables, not necessarily his best. Now, Cain hated his brother because God accepted um, Abel's offering, but not Cain's. You know, he want, God accepted the one that was the best, that, that he knew Abel was giving of the best, and it was God honoring, and that made Cain very mad. And you know what he does? He kills his brother for righteousness sake, because Cain um, was not being honorable toward God, and Abel was. That was the very first persecution for, for faith in scripture. And what is that about? It's again because um, Abel's godly life, the light that he had in his life, this this God-honoring attitude, this God-honoring faith, was shedding light on the fact that Cain's offering was substandard, was not great because it wasn't given from an honorable heart toward God with the right, with the right attitude. Okay. So we also need to know this. Persecution is not personal. It's not personal. Jesus said, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. That's John 15, 20. Okay, now let's look back at that scripture in John chapter 3. It says this. This is the, fir- the verdict. Light has come into the world. Who's the light? The light is Jesus. Okay, that's what that scripture is talking about in John 3. The light has come to the world. Jesus has come into the world. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the full expression of God. God with us. And they rejected him. Why did they reject him? Because he says if they were going to reject you, me, they're going to reject you. So let's find out why they rejected him. Okay? Okay, and John 3 tells us why. It says very clearly in that scripture I read from John 3 that they loved their sin. They loved their sin, and they didn't want to give it up. They rejected Jesus then, and they reject him now in today's society, um, because they didn't then, and they don't now, Want light shining on their sinfulness, you know, showing it for what it really is and what it's doing to them. They don't want to know what it's doing to them. They just want to sit in it and get all comfortable and say, "Ah, I just love my sin. I'm, I'm just loving this." They don't even call it sin. They just say, "This is this is this is what I choose." You know, this is this is me. You know, light. Jesus, the light of God, revealed things. For what they really were. And it's it's still today. The light of God reveals things for what they really are. The scripture says that, um, that sin ultimately gives birth to death. Doesn't it? So we know how bad sin is. Sin is, when it's in its full bloom, it gives birth to death. You know, when you're sitting in a sinful situation in life. When you're just sitting in it and you're loving it and you're enjoying it. You don't want to know that it's killing you. You don't want to know about where it's gonna take you down the road. You're just in it for now. It feels good, let's do it, you know? They loved the darkness. That's clearly what it says, that they loved their darkness and they rejected the light because they didn't want the light shining onto their darkness, showing them what it really was. You know, the other day, we live in, I live in Great Britain and we don't get a lot of sunshine here, not some pure, beautiful light streaming through the windows. So a lot of days, like today, it's very overcast, very sunless you know and but when we do get sun i'll tell you you open wide those windows open wide the curtains and you let that sun shine through but let me just tell you when that sun shines through i was the other day we did have a sunny day and the sun shone through so beautiful so bright but oh my goodness it revealed first of all the dirty window did not see that there thought my windows were perfectly, beautifully clean. And the other things is it was shining into my kitchen and I could see all my kitchen cupboards and I could see all the dirty fingerprints on them, little smears of food I didn't see there. And I was just, little drips of coffee down certain cupboards. I was horrified at what I saw. And as this light was revealed through, I got out my handy dandy cleaner, I got out my cloth and I just wiped everything down because the light was showing me where all the filth was. And I was able to sort it out. And now my kitchen's beautiful and clean. Although, if I get another sunny day, I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to be there again doing all the cleaning. Anyway, so the light reveals. It reveals what's going on in the darkness. Okay. So when Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted because of him. Because of his namesake. Then then he says that. And then he goes straight into telling us, the next words out of his mouth, that believers, that his listeners who were there listening to his sermon and us, because he's talking to us, that we are salt and we are light. Okay. I'm going to read Matthew five thirteen through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if that salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing and thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. So, so far he told us we are the salt of the earth. Now he's saying you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they take a a light, uh, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand. That means if you are a light, you don't go under a basket. Your whole purpose is to be on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men. This is a command here let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who's in heaven. Okay. So he doesn't say you're, you're going to become like salt and you're going to become like light. He actually says, no, you are the salt of the earth. You are The light of the world. You know, as Christians, we're taught, or you should be being taught, about our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. And we're often reminded that we are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away and all has become new. And we hear this a lot if you're being taught well where you are. You know, that we, what is our identity as a Christian? Well, Jesus says outright that our identity is, as his followers, that we are salt and we are light. That's part of who we are. Let's look at that. What is light? Jesus was the light, says that, and that came into the world, right? He was the light that came into the world. John 3 told us that. And now he's telling us that we're light too. So he was light. He is light. Now we're light too. You know why? Because it's his life in us and we're shining out his light in us. Okay, so some stuff light does. We said this, light reveals and exposes what's in the darkness. Light in scripture, it represents the wisdom of God. God's value system and what he says is good or evil. Okay, so that's what, what I'm talking about when I say wisdom. That that the light in scripture is wisdom of God and the wisdom of God is what God says is good and what God says is evil, according to scripture. okay. Light also represents um, being able to see the way ahead so so as not to be lost. Um, We have the light, which is Jesus. We are the light. We, as followers of Christ, are not lost. You know, no matter what you're feeling today, where you think, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure about my future. One thing you can say that spiritually, you are not lost. You have Jesus. You have the scriptures which is Jesus is the word you have him residing his spirit inside of you you are not lost we are not a lost people okay we follow him we follow his light and we're filled with his light what a beautiful thought imagine if you meditated on that you know rather than on some negative things today that that I'm not lost you know, that's something we can thank God for. I'm not lost today. Thank you, Father, that because of you, I am, all I need to do is follow after what your word says, and I'm on the right path. Okay, John 8, 12 backs this up. When Jesus spoke again to the pe- people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what we have, guys. That's what we have as followers of Christ. Okay, so we looked at some stuff light does, um, that we have light, that we are the light, right? Um, Let's look at darkness, because like I said, sometimes looking at what you're not helps you to understand what you are, right? Okay, so we're talking about light. We need to talk about darkness. Um, Okay, so we are no longer part of darkness, and we are no longer living in darkness, Darkness in scripture represents what man wants, what, what, what comes of the flesh, and what man says is good or evil apart from God. You know, darkness is man's wisdom. That's what it is. Now, light and dark, these are value systems. And you know, the light and the dark in society, in our world, is always knocking heads. It's always clashing. It's always clashing. And we see that so clear in our culture. You know, as Christians, uh, we believe the scripture is God's wisdom. This is God's value system here. telling uh, uh, God himself telling us what is good and what is evil. Okay? And it tells us what his kingdom is based on. It's God's value system. Now, society tells us things that as Christians, we can't agree with. And when we don't conform to man's wisdom, what man says is good and what man says is evil, which often does oppose God's wisdom, we know that, we know that, then that's when we get persecution. That's when it comes, okay? It's the clashing of light and dark, of God's wisdom and man's wisdom, okay? Here's an example. When the world tries to say, um, that th- this is common in the world. The world will give this philosophy. Um, there are many ways to find God. And you know what? You're actually fine with no God at all. You can be your own God. Um, actually everything and anything goes, um, if it feels good, do it. These are all worldly philosophies, philosophies that are man's philosophy. And this one, truth is whatever you want it to be. Okay. Here's God's philosophy. Here's kingdom thinking. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. Gets better or worse, depending on if you're worldly or not. No man comes to the Father except by me. This is so utterly offensive to the world because it's... It's a pillar of truth that cannot be changed. It's the truth. And yet the follower of Christ knows, we know this is the truth, right? And it's so offensive to the world. You can't change truth. You can't bend it to make the offended one happy. Let me try to bend that a little to make these offended people happy. You can't, you can't do it. Truth is what it is. And you know where we see this so clear in the Bible? Do you remember those three guys in scripture? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who wouldn't bend the knee to worship the big giant statue of the king because, um, because they knew that they were only to worship God. Why? Because they knew the law, the words of God that was that they knew, and it said, you serve God and only him. I shall not bow to any other god. They knew that. That was their faith. That is what they believed. They knew that those were the words of God given to Moses in the law. It was clearly stated and set forth that they were not to do that, okay? But they are in a society where the king is saying, and the king in this this account represents what society was saying, is saying, bow the knee, you know? And it clashed, it clashed. They were living in a culture where they then chose, that, that totally disregarded their faith. And, and yet, in that place, they chose to live out of their faith. And what happened? They were persecuted for it. God delivered them, but they were quite willing to die for the fact that they were not going to bow to the culture because they knew what kingdom culture was telling them, what God was saying to them. Okay, now not everyone who says that they're a Christian lives according to God's wisdom. Sadly, I think we all know this, okay? There are Christians or people who name themselves as Christians that choose man's wisdom over God's wisdom. And they're not being the light. We are the light as Christians when, and only when, we're reflecting the light of Christ in our lives. You know what? We don't bring our own light to the table, guys. We don't. We don't have it. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. That was the first beatitude. I don't have what it takes to save myself. That's the first beatitude. We're blessed when we know that. The light that we have, the light that we bear, and the light that we now are is the light of Jesus Christ. He brings the light to the table and gives it to us. That's his gift to us. You know, why do then those Christians... Bend to the value system of the world. Why do they, they call themselves Christian, but they're not living the light at all. They're not bearing the light at all or shining the light that's in them. You know, you know why? And this is very sad. And um, it's because of ease. They want an easy life. They want comfort there. It's not to them. It's just not worth ruffling anyone's feathers. They just don't need the hassle. Okay. That's what they say. That's why a person, and the world does, the world does make it hard for a Christian to stand up for kingdom culture. It does. Okay? But there's those who are willing to bend the knee and just say, I want an easy life. Let me just make the King Nebuchadnezzar happy and bow my knee to the statue. And then he'll shut up and, you know, I'll go on with my life. Where others say, I know what God says and I cannot. I cannot change truth and fit it and try to bend it to fit in the culture. And that's the actual, it, that's, that's actual. You can't bend and change truth. Okay. Um, so shining the light as a Christian. Another way to say that is living out a godly life. Living out a godly life. That means not every Christian is living out a godly life when they're not being the light. Okay, it's showing when you're living out a godly life, you're showing forth the character that Jesus says his followers would have because of the light of Jesus that's now in them. Okay, so if someone calls themselves a Christian and doesn't live out of the Christian life of like like a person of of God's kingdom, but rather they're living out of the wisdom and the value systems of this world, then they're not being like the light that Jesus says that they are. Okay, let me read this scripture to you. Again, the Bible's so super clear about this. There's, you know, there's no gray areas. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hey guys, it's one of the beautiful and precious promises of the scripture <laughs> that if you are going to live a godly life, live out that godly life that Jesus says his followers will live out, then you will suffer persecution. Okay, so that's a promise from scripture to all believers who actually live out, who actually live out his or her faith. Okay, we talked about light. Let's talk about salt, okay? We're all, um, as well as being light, we are salt according to Jesus. And what does salt do? Okay, salt flavors and it preserves. Okay, so this world... I think you can pretty much see it on the news. Just go flick on the news for five minutes and you'll see it after Bible study, of course. This world is rotting away in every way. Um, Believers, again, who are living out their faith, are bringing flavor and preservation to this earth. You know, salt stops decay. All right. And when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, what he meant was that his followers were to serve as preservatives and stop that moral decay in our in our sin infected world. That's what we bring when we are the salt and we live out our godly lives in this world. We bring flavor. We bring preservation to this world, um, Hey, and you know, this metaphor, people of Jesus' time would have fully understood this because they had no refrigeration. They understood what it was for stuff for meat to go rotten. They also understood what it was for salt to preserve something and keep it fresh so that they could eat it any time and it was fresh and it was good. Now, salt and light have very specific purposes. And so by Jesus telling us that we are salt and we are light, what he's telling us is our purpose as believers. You know, his followers on this earth. He's saying, this is your purpose to all of my followers, to all of those who bear my name. You are salt. You are light. Now go out and live your purpose. All right? Now, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Now, this is a bit of a paraphrase. Jesus is saying, you're not to hide your light. The whole purpose of a lamp is to bring light to a dark place. That's the whole purpose. Okay. Um, and he also says that we're like a city on a hill shining in the darkness. Imagine you're a weary tra- a traveler walking in the darkness and you can see in the distance on a hill, a city, brightly lit because there's life there. What are you going to see? In all of this darkness, you're going to see that little bright shining city and you're going to go toward it. And Jesus is saying that that's what we are to this world, that we are are those who are giving light to people in darkness. And what are we doing? We're guiding them to the Lord just by being salt and just by being light, by living out the godly life in obedience to what Jesus has asked us to do. Okay, um, and you know what? We don't live out and do good works and, and 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 do all the things that Jesus said so people will pat us on the back and say, ooh, isn't she good? And ooh, isn't she lovely? What a lovely, ooh, good person they are. No, no, no. What it says in verse 16 is that we do our good works and we live out our godly life for this reason. Verse 16, so they glorify your father in heaven. Meaning that they'll be so impacted, the people living in darkness, they'll be so impacted by the living out of our faith, by us being the light, by us being the salt, that it'll cause them to become interested in who this God is, who this one who calls us now his father. They'll want to know our father in heaven. This is really interesting and I didn't know this. That this right here, where Jesus says, duh, 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 duh. "Oh, where is it? Oh my, my, my!" Okay, where it says in verse sixteen, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." That is the first time in the New Testament that God is referred to as Father, your Father, in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? That we're gonna, we're called to represent Him, Jesus, so well, and show what a good Father He is, as we live out our faith. And Jesus just told us that by lit, by us growing and journeying, like in the Beatitudes, growing and journeying in our character of of being a follower of Christ, that at each stage, at each thing that that, that characteristic of character, that we are blessed, blessed, blessed. You know, and we're, we're there living out this blessed life. And the world is watching on and seeing how blessed we are. They'll say, I want to know this God of yours. I want to know this one you call Father. Tell me about him. Just purely by us living out our godly lives. Okay. Um, so the promise of persecution, I realized this, that it isn't something that we're going to naturally relish and be like, Ooh, goody, goody, you know, I'm going to be persecuted. Nobody wants persecution. We all want to be liked. I want to be liked. You know, I'm not different from, from anyone. I'm not, I'm not thinking, Oh, how wonderful to be, you know, lied about and thrown in jail and, you know, beaten up, potentially killed. Who knows? That doesn't make me happy. You know, that makes me quite sad. But Matthew 5, 12 says this jesus told us that we should rejoice and be exceedingly glad i added the question mark bit at the end there he just said it as a statement rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we face persecution you know this once again points out to us that is common in jesus teachings how different the kingdom of god thinking is compared to the thinking of this world. The thinking of this world is what? Ah, oh, persecution. They'll say a bad thing about me. You mean they won't like me because I'm a Christian and I live a godly life. Why should we rejoice and be glad? Why would Jesus say say that? And here here's why. He says great is your reward in heaven. Now we don't really know what that means, right? Because we're not in heaven. But we do know this, okay? We do know this. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says that eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, there is a reward, and it will be in heaven, and it is going to be something that is so outrageous, and so wonderful, and so amazing that we haven't even thought about it yet. We, we can't even fathom it. It's going to be so amazing. Also, you know what this also goes to show us um, is that Jesus would have his believers to not be looking at things through the eyes of the flesh, but be looking at things at life through the eyes of the spirit at all times. What do I mean by that? And what I have here, I won't show it to you because my notes are pretty hideous, but oftentimes to explain to people what this life, these 70, 80 years, if we're blessed, you know, to get that of, um, of what it means in the light of eternity. Now, if you draw a line that goes on forever in both directions, which we can't really do, but just imagine a line that goes on forever, forever in both directions, and, and it's just a straight line both directions. And I take a pen, a little ballpoint pen, and I put one little dot on that line. That one little dot, and I think that's being quite generous in the light of eternity, you know, saying 80 years is, would even show on, on that line. But let's just say, we put that dot there, that that little dot represents this life. And Jesus is telling us, listen, There is more to be living for than just the here and just the now. This is a blip in eternity where we get this honor to bear the name of Christ and live for him and show him our allegiance and our love for him and our trust for him. We get that honor now in this little blip called life on the longer, longer stretch, which is eternity, which is real life, which is the life to come and which is the life which we are all destined to go into eternity. I mean, I don't want to be a downer. We're talking about persecution. And now I'm going to say this, that one thing, well, they say two things are sure, death and taxes, but death is definitely even much more sure than taxes. It's going to happen. Let's prepare for this by living for Christ now, by knowing that great will our reward will be in heaven if we take this life and live for him now even with the persecution and and many of us you know we have to grow a thicker skin even though we keep our hearts soft so what they say bad stuff about us so what they lie about us i know it hurts i know and it happens we we get this this happens to us you know me and andy and and we've experienced this, and it is very hurtful. But we go to God and we say, Lord, please just help it to see it, us to see it according to your perspective. And that's when I think about this huge line of eternity and that little blip that we call life in the here and the now. Okay. Now, our attitude regarding persecution shouldn't be, oh, I'm so shocked. The world hates me for living godly. Oh, my goodness. I'm just utterly shocked. No. Listen to this, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, or making trouble. Remember, we talked about this. Or prying into people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. That was First Peter 4, 12 through 16. And that last line in some other translations says this. Instead of saying... Um, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. I like it when it's worded this way, for the honor of bearing his name. It's an honor. It's an honor to bear the name of Christ. Sometimes I think when we think about persecution, we think it's a cross to bear. It's a it's a it's it's a horrible thing. The scripture speaks about it as being an honor, and if we don't see it that way, and sometimes, yeah, I get scared when I think about these things, and I see the way the world is going, and, you know, I'll, I'll get a worried thought for my children, because I want them to live for God, and that means they'll get persecution, but I say, God, let me see this in the light of eternity, let me see this through your eyes, open my eyes to that, the fact that this is an honor to bear the name, the name of Jesus in this life, okay, uh okay. So the world's not going to love you or me for choosing to live a godly life. We've come to that conclusion. And it's it's very easy to be fearful about facing any kind of persecution. And we might be tempted to do what Jesus said and and or to do what he's saying we shouldn't do, be a light and put it under a basket, you know? But it comes down to what life is actually about for us. Okay? I read a really interesting article and it was entitled, A Life Worth Living and a Death Worth Dying. It was quite interesting. And the, uh, the writer of this based, was based it on Philippians one twenty one, where Paul, who's, at, who's in prison, and he's writing to believers and he's talking about that, you know, this could be the end of his life and he might die and he might live. He's not exactly sure how it's going to go, but he says these words. For to to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, the essence of this article was this. Paul says this, For to me, to live is Christ. Now, what we need to be able to do is say, Well, for me, to live is... And there's a blank there. And we have to fill it in. What is it to live? for us. For me, to live is, there's the blank. And we have to fill it in. And there's going to be some people, if they're really honest, they're going to say, well, for me, to live is money. That means death for that person is lack. Some people will say, for me, to live is being beautiful and accepted. Well, that means death for that person is to lose their looks. And that's inevitable. You know, we get old and Things happened, <laughs> okay? It's not all where you left it when you were 16, okay? And that means to get ugly is death. You know? I don't know if I said this yet or not. Sometimes, okay, um, okay, power. For me to live is power. That means death is when weakness comes into my life. What if I get a disease and I'm, and, I, and I can't move anymore like I used to or I'm not able to run anymore or, or, or do things, work like I used to? Then that is death for me. But Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And when Christ is your life, then actually death for you is to gain. Because Christ is not just for this life, although He is for this life, He is for eternity as well. And we, you know, we begin to look at life as what it is, it's a blip on the line of eternity and we're blessed to be here and we're grateful for this life and we don't wish for bad to happen to us in the name of Christ if it happens you know it happens we don't wish for for that to happen but we need to know that yes for us to live is Christ we're going to go on working for him and living for him and, and, and shining our light for him and being that salt that preservative in this life to stop that moral decay. But should death come and death will come okay it's it's a it's a dead cert (laughs) being a little funny there a little death humor um it's gonna happen and you want to know something it's good it's okay it's okay it's not the worst thing you know it isn't going to be the worst thing because our life we get to be with Christ here and, and it had be in relationship here, and then we get to see him face to face, and he will give us all those rewards that we've been storing in heaven. Okay? And I'm just gonna end with this. Um, you know, we look at the, one of the the accounts that I've recently read, and and it's about um Stephen, the martyr in the Bible, who Paul actually was uh involved. He was Saul at the time, he hadn't um converted over to Christ yet, hadn't come to know Christ yet, Um, and Stephen was very outspoken uh, about the the scriptures, and Paul and the religious leaders did not appreciate it, and they stoned him to death, and they're throwing rocks at him and killing him, and in the end, as he's dying, he sees into heaven, and, and God enabled him to see. Now, I'm not saying this to insult anyone, if you know people who have been martyred or to anybody who's facing it out there, maybe that is not going to happen for everyone. That we that in the middle of, of the torture and the torment, that, that, that our actual spiritual eyes are opened and we can see into heaven and, and be able to bear what, what's going on in that moment. But you know what? I do like to believe that just like all the Beatitudes, that we cannot live the life That Christ is calling us to without the help of His Spirit. I need God. I bring nothing to the table. He is the one who saves me. It is His free gift. It's me bowing the knee to Him and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need your spirit to help me. Just in that way, in that same way, I believe just as it takes to do all of the beatitudes, we need the help of God. I believe that when persecution comes, the Holy Spirit will give us the strength, the fortitude, whatever it is we need in that moment to be able to bear the name of Christ well and with honor. And listen, I'm still working all this out in my mind and in my heart too. And I just bow my knee to the Lord and I say, Jesus, help me in that day. If my life is ever required of me, or even just to, if people are speaking badly and reviling me with their tongues and lying about me, you know, God, help me to be strong and to bear the name of Christ well. And, and, And another last thing I'm done is, you know, we can choose to not live for Christ and say, you know what, I don't need this. I just want an easy life. Forget this. But for me, I have to say what Peter said. When Jesus was, was saying you have to eat, he was talking to disciples, to followers of his, and he was saying, you know, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to drink the blood and, and, and eat my flesh. And people were taking him quite literally, and were, he wasn't speaking literally. And and they they went and they left. And Jesus said, looked at his closest disciples, and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where else can I go, Lord? Lord. Only you have the words of eternal life in the heart of a true Christian. You think, yeah, okay, if I choose to bow the knee just for an easy life to this to this world and 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 the and man's wisdom and not God's wisdom, what am I bowing my knee to? Nothing. I'm I'm for an easy life. I get to live out a little lie for a little while, a, a blip and then i have to face in eternity the fact that jesus said if you deny me before men i'm going to deny me deny you before my father you know but if you proclaim me before men then i'm going to do the same before my father you know these are just words that we should be thinking about and also be praying about persecuted christians around the world today when we finish with this Pray a prayer for persecuted Christians. Right now, there's war in the Ukraine, and um, the threat of communism is coming upon the Ukraine. Well, communism and living for Christ do not mix, okay? And there's going to be persecution for those who remain, who want to live as Christians. And there are many Christians in the Ukraine right now. Be praying for them. Be praying for all the persecuted Christians around the world. Not just I mean, Pray that they, that they find deliverance, but also that in that moment, if their life is required of them, that they would bear the name of Christ well, and that God would strengthen them. Anyway, I hope that was not too heavy, and too. <laughs> I hope it gave you some good things to think about, because persecution is part of who we are and what the scripture speaks about. And anyway, I just want you to have a great week, and um, hey, be praying for people.